This is Alvin Sanders, Pop Tate, and you're listening to Riverdish. Vixens, it's Ryan. And Sam. We're coming at you early morning here in New York City. Yes, it is Friday AM. Yes, well, we have to warn you there's some construction happening outside, which was unexpected, but at least your water was only off for two hours, I saw on your front door. My street is in bumblefuck right now. I don't know what's happening and I need to move. Yeah. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm all right, thanks. I'm a little delirious. I got maybe like two hours of sleep last night. Why? Not really by choice. I mean, part of it was my choice. I did end up at Marie's Crisis, which is always a great move. But I'm trying to be responsible financially. And by responsible, I quite literally have like negative money in my bank account right now. So I'm trying to like recoup a little bit. So I'm like, I guess I'll take the subway home. I get on the subway, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, someone like jumped between trains. So they're like, we got a stall. We were underground for 45 minutes. All of a sudden the woman comes over the PA system. She goes, all right, like we, the f- back of the train is still in a station. Everyone needs to get up and walk to the front back of the train to exit. And I'm like, oh God, so I'm gonna end up taking a cab anyway. So we're all walking back, we're moving along, and then they say, oh, hold up a second, like, the track is cleared, like, we can move now. I had headphones in, and this, like, cute gay guy just sort of was like, that was crazy, huh? And I, like, was just sort of said, like, uh, yeah. But then we stood next to each other for, like, a while, and, like, yeah, I saw him looking over, and then he took out a sketchbook. And he was clearly sketching me. What? Like, what? But I didn't know. And then he sat down and like he would keep looking over and going back to his book. And I couldn't tell like, are you looking at me because you're like flirting? Or are you just inspired by my look? Obviously, you know, many have been as artists to like create a portrait. Or is he a serial killer <laughs> writing <laughs> you down so he can track you? <laughs> you know, that's not where my mind went, but he does now know my subway stop. Mm, there we go. Giddy up. Yeah. Actually saying that he acted like his socks look, <laughs> looked a little bloody. Oh my like God. that was the one turnoff. He was cute. But then I looked down and I was like, oh, like, hey, the socks why are did the dirty. subway really stall? He was on it, wasn't he? Oh. What did he do? I think Maybe you pulled something. I think like... that you got yourself into a very suspicious situation. It's almost as if I have a tattoo that's marking me as a sacrifice. Yeah, the gay paladin. <laughs> I would be into the gay paladin challenge. Honestly, me too. So we had another doozy of an episode. They always are now. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm hoping we get a reprise with Heather's. Yes, definitely. I'm so excited for next week. Can't wait. Not to skip time. No, no, no. We are not skipping time. We are now living in the present. And that brings us to this episode. Exactly. So we open up with last uh, last episode ended with the Cooper house burning down. Turns out it's still up, thankfully. And we learn that Gladys Jones is the one who purchased the home. Yeah, in an effort to live out the American dream. She's buying the home, which we hear, we hear was FP's dream. I love the quote. They're like a Norman Rockwell painting in leather jackets. Yeah, she put in an all-cash offer online, which something seems a little off about that. I think so, too. Could you imagine just purchasing a house online, like, 
just through photos? No. Who does that? And Chuck is suspicious. He's asking, why are you in town? What is going on? And she says, I want, I'm loving the family back together. I want to make an effort. And you could tell Jug doesn't believe her. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a nice sign of goodwill to purchase a home for your family. That's true. Again, negative money in my bank account. Yeah. I can't imagine purchasing anything. Yeah, I'm living in a construction pit. (laughs) Yeah, as you can hear by this beeps in the background. Again, we're sorry. But it does make some sense. Last episode, I remember mentioning that I was curious what they were going to do with the actual physical set of the Cooper house, because it's such a big part of the soundstage. I'm like, they can't just get rid of that. So it it makes sense. We're not getting rid of the Cooper house. No, they recycle there. Yeah, it was too expensive. No, they're very environmentally conscious. But how strange. Like, imagine moving into your boyfriend's house like that's what Jug is doing he's moving into his girlfriend's house after his girlfriend was kicked out of the house yeah and he does offer that she can stay there yeah which is a decent sign of goodwill she of course declines and it's like it's probably better if I stay with Veronica yeah uh as we learn later on in the episode you can't move in together too quickly you can't no it's always jumping the gun and you learn everybody's Every aspect of someone's personality comes out. I had an entire friendship put to ashes when I lived with this girl my junior year of college. Granted, I also, you know, stole her boyfriend, but like, whatever. Yeah, you can't hurry, love. You just have to wait. So Alice is still wanting to get rid of the house, but she's a little weary of selling it to Gladys. Yeah, and we know that her heart belongs to FB. Right, and I think Gladys knows that too. She oh, yeah. knows there's the history, something's up. Uh, so it's it's a little shady of Gladys to pull this It stunt. is shady. I'm obsessed with her. She's yeah. a mind game person, and she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's trouble in paradise over at Thornhill. Yeah, and your favorite character made a reappearance. Nana Rose came back, baby. Well, for one brief line, it, it was too short, but I was still happy to see her. She gave me an envelope with something she called rent. <laughs> We're not gonna pay rent. Someone clearly didn't watch Rent live. Rent almost live on Fox. Yeah, but, so there's trouble in paradise. Yeah, Tony and Cheryl are fighting. Uh, again, it's kind of realized that they moved, maybe moved in too quickly. Things got too hot too soon. Uh, to make amends, Cheryl brings scones to La Bonne Nuit. Uh, where Tony is working, only to discover that Tony's busy singing Robin on stage with the Pretty Poisons. Yeah, I mean, God, poor Cheryl. To walk in and see your girlfriend who just doesn't want to be in your house belting out, call your girlfriend with Veronica? Like The song God. choice was amazing. Though. Amazing. I was the only gay in New York City who didn't go to the Robin concert last week. That's shocking to me. I know. Again, negative money in the bank account. I, I would have been there. But uh, I had watched so many Insta stories with that song this week that it really like is like, God, you're haunting me, Robin. And Ryan's Venmo is at... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> anyway, I get a really like Bethany, Jason Hoppy um, feel from Tony and Cheryl sometimes. Yeah? I do, because listen, like they got... Well, I guess just in the sense that like Cheryl's always been like the personality and like the star and it's like now Tony is getting some attention, getting some stuff. And it's like, it's not able to keep up. It's also Jamie and Kathy situation last five years, you know? Yeah, it always happens in relationships in many senses, right? Of uh, Tony was sort of, 
you know, she didn't necessarily have a home of her own, and she wants to come into her own. Uh, now she has a group of friends. She has some money coming in, clearly, because she started paying rents. I understand wanting to be, like, a real human and having some, like, space on this earth. Yeah. She said, you know, Cheryl's like, I let you move into my room. And she goes, exactly, it's your room. It's your stuff. It's your decorations. Uh, which makes it hard on someone. It does. I, I totally get it, you know? I mean, we do get a nice soft pour, softcore porn little uh, makeout sesh between Tony and Cheryl. Yeah, that sex scene was kind of fascinating. Yeah. It seems a little reversed the way they put on the blindfolds. Yeah. <laughs> like it started and then she got blindfolded, but then it came off quickly. Because... Like some continuity editor was like, oh shit, I messed that up. But yeah. let's just go with it. Have you ever been blindfolded in bed? Yeah. Yeah? Evan! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know. It. I need to see what's going on. Yeah, I get that. But I sometimes it could be titillating. Sure. Uh, there's also kind of trouble brewing between Reggie and Veronica. Ugh, I didn't want it this soon, but we knew it was inevitably coming. Yeah, and it's it, almost in a similar sense to Tony. Cher, uh, Reggie wants to be more than an errand boy. You know, he said, I've been working so hard here. We're working together for all intents and purposes. Can I have more of a stake in La Bonne Nuit? He says in his, like, bad boy voice, I know what I'm worth. And honestly, it brought me back to six months ago, me and my last job, begging for more money and a promotion for three years and saying, guys, I know what I'm worth. Now I'm unemployed, everyone. <laughs> but I know what I'm worth. Exactly. Uh, and Veronica listens to him, but instead of fully agreeing, she just offers him an envelope of cash, which I would have taken, I but take clearly it. he wasn't totally thrilled about it. Because ultimately, I think we're not, you know, he's talking about La Bonne Nuit, but really we're talking about their hearts. We're talking about a larger issue here. Reggie wants full in with Veronica, and you can tell she's not totally ready to give that to she him. She even says, let me remind you, I just went through a devastating breakup, and yeah, she was head over heels in love with Archie, who, by the way, let's get to Archie. Yeah, so Archie's the main storyline uh. in this episode. <laughs> uh, and we learned last episode, of course, uh, there was the kid in his house who stabbed him in the kitchen, and the red paladin card appeared. Wait, my favorite line of this episode, someone was like, what happened to you? He goes, oh, I let a homeless kid into my house and he stabbed me. <laughs> Poor KJ does get like these amazing one-liners. That reminded me of the, I was attacked by a bear. <laughs> oh, like, the bear will always be a number one in my heart, but the homeless kid who stabbed me that he let at his house might be number two right now. Yeah, it was definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, so question is, like, who's distributing these red paladin cards? Of course, all signs point to Hiram, Hiram Lodge. Lodge. Uh, sure enough, Archie goes and visits Hiram, uh, and we learn that Hiram has made 12 cards, to be exact, and has distributed three to the warden and nine to Tallboy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, to distribute around to uh, Fizzle Rock's hot spots in town. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but later on, when they're going through the hot spots, did you know that they mentioned innuendo? No! The first time it's been mentioned, like, I think since the pilot, uh, the gay bar in Riverdale that we've yet to see is, in fact, a Fizzle Rocks hotspot. Oh my god, I hope and I pray we get to see it. I hope so, too. It makes sense that 
you know, all those gays, they'd be doing some Fizzle Rocks. Yeah, I think Fizzle Rocks the poppers of Riverdale. <laughs> Probably. Uh, which we did ask Kevin Keller himself if they existed, and he wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, but essentially, Archie's obviously freaked out. He's like, you know, he can't go anywhere without people trying to kill him. So Jughead hatches this plan where they're going to make their own Gargoyle King quest, uh, in which the Red Palatin needs to defend his mountaintop. Pretty smart of them, actually. Yeah, I mean, of course, though, by defending his mountaintop, we're talking about a, a boxing match. Yeah, I really hope that this is the end of the boxing story arc. <laughs> I wish I could say it would be, but, but being that we just got a brand new set, you know <laughs> they're going to use that. We got a gym. We got a gym. Yeah, I don't know why we needed a new gym. Like, why couldn't we just use the other boxing gym? Well, but it's convenient that Archie is now himself a small business owner. Yeah, especially since he's not at school anymore. Yeah, so so Hiram had this boxing ring that he offered up to Archie. Yeah. Uh, and Archie took him up, which is strange, too, of Hiram now doing, like, oh, hey, dude, I'm sorry I distributed 12 cards asking people to kill you. But, you know, I'll give you my, like, I'll lend you this space for the night just to defend your mountaintop. Well, we know that Hiram's motives are never pure. So I think the end game of this gym this, that, that Archie now owns is going to come back to haunt him or someone else. Yeah, the way they zoomed in on those keys, it was, it was pretty ominous. Yes. So they have all these people come in to fight Archie. I don't, it's really not fair that Archie had to fight all of them and they just could go in fresh. Like, I don't know how boxing works. I have no idea how boxing works, but I feel horrible for Archie's makeup person. Because the amount of red paint that they have to pour across his body, scratches on his face, black and blues on his belly, like, it is wild. Oh, and the person in charge of continuity, yeah. too, is yeah. like, it must be insane being like, oh yeah, this would have been from that guy bit you in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Sensible. But ultimately, Archie prevails? Yeah, we had that weird man from the... the um, Leopold and Loeb Juvenile Detention Center show up. He was Archie's, like, final match. What did Jug say when he was coming into the ring? Like, enter the Kraken! Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, why is this, like, elder coming in? Like, it was so strange. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot to mention that when Jug was tasking all the gang members to rope in these 12 people to come fight Archie, that one of their names was Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> I guffawed out loud. <laughs> it's moments like that that make me love the show. <laughs> I completely agree. I caught that and I didn't even react. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You just mentioned it again. I was like, wait, that's actually crazy. But watching I'm like, oh yeah, Deuteronomy. Sure. <laughs> so I guess that means Archie's now safe? I think he's safe. I think that he's not the sacrifice anymore, which I hope can mean he can go back into the fold and help defeat the Gargoyle King once and for all. It yeah. might be a Voldemort situation, though, where it's like, yeah, all the Death Eaters and all the um, people want to kill you, but the the king of it all, Voldemort, still wants Harry Potter. I think the Gargoyle King still wants Archie. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And, like, who even is the Gargoyle King now? I think it's Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> oh, that's right. I really do. All right. So we did have our appearance from Nana Rose, which was obviously iconic, but we also got... A new icon in town, 
Dolores. Oh my god. Basically, FP is driving in his sheriff car with Jughead, gets a, like an Amber Alert of sorts, and has to go to um, Pops, and Veronica tells him that someone threw fizzle rocks on Dolores, a waitress. I don't know much about Dolores, but I want to know more. She better come back. I need. I would take a full episode of her life. Honestly, same. Like, where does she live in town? How long has she been working at Pops? How did someone end up throwing fizzle rocks over her? Hot take. It seems like a waste of drugs. What if Dolores is the Gargoyle King? I would be down. I'd be so down. And the Fizzle Rocks Empire is still going strong. Yeah, we know that Gladys is behind all of it. Yeah, and Veronica lets on to Betty that Gladys is taking over the drug ring in town. Right. Uh, I loved the line where Betty said, like, oh, I thought Fizzle Rocks was on the way out. And Veronica goes, like Gloria Swanson, it's getting ready for a comeback. (laughs) Like another just fabulous line from the writer's room. Yep. And when you find out that your boyfriend's mother is illegally brewing drugs and selling them around town to make a lot of money to purchase the house that you were kicked out of, you have to tell your boyfriend. Yeah, it's a tough conversation to have. It's, yeah, it really is. Probably a necessary one. Yeah, but Betty does tell Jug that she's heard from a source. She doesn't give up her source, but she, good detective. But she said that her mother is very su- suspicious in this. Yeah, and it takes Jug like... A minute to take that in. I think Jug really wants to believe his mother has good intentions. Yeah. He really does. Sadly, Gina Gershon, you know, that's what they said about the Bye Bye Birdie revival. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes to a head at FP's 50th birthday party at La Bonne Nuit. Oh, it was a really bittersweet moment where Luke Perry made an appearance and talked about you don't get much of these nights to FP and it. It tugged a heartstring. I know. He was like, I'm so excited to be neighbors. They give each other a bro hug. Now I have to wonder, and again, this is almost weird to be speculative of, but in the last episode and this episode, we've just gotten a brief appearance from Luke at like the very end. It, It seems like consistent. His appearances seem consistent in a way where he's not getting any storyline, but will like pop in. Which makes me wonder if there was another storyline going on that they've been going through and editing out. I think I'm almost certain there has been. Yeah, which, which is yeah, it's tough, but it tough. makes sense. Yeah, and it, I mean, God bless the creators, right? Like that's a t- tough task to then take out that storyline and fill it with something else. Yeah, but you know, maybe that's how we got Dolores. You know, <laughs> the Lord gives and takes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not equating getting Dolores as <laughs> losing Luke Perry. No, you're not Vicky Gunvalson. No, did you see that? That was psycho. T- tell the listeners. Okay, if you guys don't know, Queen Vicky Gunvalson, OG housewife, tweeted Luke's death was a tragedy, but that's why you should get my insurance, and then plugged her insurance company, Kodo Insurance. Oh, yeah, not the time. Not the time, but very Vicky. Yeah. And uh, so Gladys was on stage at La Bonne Nuit. I was really hoping for another musical number from oh, her. As was I. But m- maybe next week. Uh, and she calls, brings up Jug to make a speech. We have a moment where we're like, oh boy, is Jug going to like go off the rails and just reveal Gladys's motives here live on stage? We should mention at this point, 
Jug has confronted Gladys saying he knows what's up, he knows that she's responsible, but she says if you tell your father, he will relapse and die. Yeah. So that's bad. That's fair to put on your son. (laughs) Yeah, great, awesome. Families. It it was a bit confusing when Betty leans over and she's like, do you know what you're going to say? And he's like, no. And then he gets up and takes out a card with pre-written notes. I'm like, I understand what she was referencing. It's like when Oscar winners are like, oh, I'm so surprised. And they take out like a literal like scroll. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, listen, I I would much rather you have a scroll, though, than you ramble on. Who is the costume designer that won this year? She matched her note card to her dress. I I mean, that's how you do it. Yeah, that's genius. Yeah. Uh, But that was really the episode. Yeah. I mean, we end with a iconic smirk from Bughead and... Jughead actually made a really poignant speech about family and his father and just how much he admires FP because honestly, we have to really give FP more credit than he gets. He's been through a lot and he really is now on the good side of of her story. Yeah, zero to hero. Zero to hero, just like that. He was leading a gang one day, the next day he's the sheriff in town. From prison to an icon, the Countess Luann story and FP. Albeit a sheriff that is now involving a gang into the police force, but... We can't get it all. Yeah, we Whatever. move on. But so, hey, yeah, oh, the oh, most oh. important part of the episode, mm-hmm. Cheryl's obviously torn up about she and Titi, so she's in her lawn playing croquet. As one does. Kevin Keller walks up and she goes, Kevin, I know you and the farm are planning on doing a production of Godspell, but you've got to cancel it. We're doing Heather's instead. And listen, I'm so excited for Heather's. I also would have been very excited to see the farm's production of Godspell. I know. Honestly, I wish Kevin had like a creative genius moment where he's like, okay, we're going to pull a smash season two and do two productions. We have our bombshell and we have our hit list. We have our Godspell and we have Heather's. Ooh, I would have loved that. Love that, right? Yeah. Season four, we're looking at you. Yeah, rights would get expensive. Mm, I know, but we do what we can. Yeah. We should mention that we recently saw Princess Diana, my Princess Diana the musical. If you are familiar with Ryan's viral tweet, there was a fully staged production of it at Alvin Ailey, and Ryan and I went twice. It was incredible. Incredible. Uh, but we'll see if Heather's lives up to it. I hope so. Yeah. Until then, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. <laughs>